0: So, hi everyone! Welcome back to Capitalize Your Fridays. I'm Taylor McGowan, Senior Wealth Design Specialist at Altius Financial, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Williams, Founder and President of Altius Financial.
1: Hey, everybody! Welcome back to the show.
0: Yeah. So, um, if you guys were tuning in last week, you're probably going, "Okay, what what is going on at Altius right now?" Um, I heard the tribute to Tammy and. And as, as you very well know, it, it's been a hard loss for everyone on our team, and there's definitely no replacing Tammy. Um, we are doing the best that we can to service all of our clients and trying to be as efficient and productive as possible. In the meantime, we have hired on Crescent as a, um, I believe she's a part-time employee, just to kind of help with any additional workload that we're trying to transition at this point. Mike, is there anything you want to add on that?
1: Uh, not a whole lot. I, I felt good about, um, I guess, talking about it last week with, um, with you and mentioned we're, we're in the process, but I think we're doing well, you know, it's, it's a challenge, but I think we're doing well, meeting clients needs and, and moving forward. Um, as you said, there's no replacing Tammy. Uh, my daughter Crescent has joined us for, like you said, part-time to help support. I've got some resumes of people we're talking to about uh, various roles. Um, but I think we're we're on the right track as much as possible.
0: Yeah. And so today if if any of you has checked the mail recently, you probably have had W twos, ten ninety nines, all kinds of crazy tax forms coming in. And so Our thought for today's episode is just tax time tips and tricks. We know tax time is coming up, and we just want to make sure maybe this is your first time doing taxes. Maybe this is your 50th time doing taxes. Just kind of a little refresher of some of the basics, some of the differences that we have for 2020, and maybe a little bit of Mike and I, our tips and tricks, or our little quirks.
1: Yeah, we also want to make sure you're. uh regular disclaimer, uh, just a quick reminder that any discussion we have on our podcast is not meant to be specific or direct advice to any one individual and that we recommend reaching out to your whatever financial team you have or us directly. Uh, and it, specifically with regard to tax advice, we are not tax preparers or tax advisors. Much of what we do overlaps with people who do that that kind of advice. And obviously we're very conversant in, term, in terms of trying to make sure that we Uh, help maximize the tax implications of any financial planning decisions or investment decisions that we make or help make for you. Um, But, you know, if you're looking for a uh, tax advisor, we have references we can provide. And um, but again, we're not we're not providing any specific advice today. Um, I guess that's enough of a disclaimer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah um so i'm just going to start with the most simple question and it's just when are my taxes due i i think people go okay well it's sometime in the spring but um i'll just wait till someone nags me or until TurboTax says it's due this week get it in <laughs> um yeah, so it's
1: that works um uh younger people who maybe have part-time jobs fast food jobs or something like that they 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 maybe just ignore their parents say you got to get your taxes done or you want to make sure you get a refund because oftentimes a younger person gets a refund back. And, and then you, you just kind of grow up into this system of, Oh, okay. I'm, I have to deal with the IRS now and I get, there's money that comes out of my paycheck. Uh, they're just taking it from me. (laughs) And then you learn about, well, there's this whole process of, of, uh, going through and, reconciling what with, your employer is withheld or if you're a business owner, you know, what you paid in is in, in estimates or whatever. But then you have this tax deadline to make sure you know, that everything is supposed to happen on a quarterly or a calendar basis. Uh, so 2020 is over and now the filings for, for 2020 are due. Uh, the, the, the due date is always April 15th, unless it falls on a weekend, then they usually give you till the following Monday. But so April 15th this year falls, I think, on a Thursday, and that's the deadline. That's the time that all, we all have to have our, our reconciliation, our, our tax forms filed with the IRS. And you can do an extension. Um, you know, usually it's better if you can get them done by April 15th, just not to have them nagging at you. Sometimes people who have more complicated returns um, do, you know, because they're still gathering information and still getting things uh, from various reporting investments and so forth that they're not ready to do it by April 15th and they they extend it as long as you have paid in what you owe then you're okay um extending the the IRS is fine with an extension but you need to still have already paid in what you owe for the calendar year Um, And, and that's
0: a good thing to emphasize um I know specifically in my situation me and my fiance were doing taxes and he said well I don't really feel like writing a check to the IRS. Why don't I just delay my taxes? Why don't I just delay till October? I've got it till October fifteenth. And I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're still gonna have to pay them. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say?
1: I said I wish that worked. I, you know, just that's I'll write on my tax return. I just don't feel like paying you this right. now. Right? Um, you know, that, uh, we could go off a little bit on some of the history. I mean, I, you know, I'm a, a student of history and financial history and. Um, everyone who files taxes knows that it's it's a compulsory process I mean they' they're doing it with a threat of course although it's amazing how much uh, compliance there is in the. US I mean you know most people in the u.s go through the process voluntarily and say okay I get that they're taking money out of my paycheck and I get you know that this is going to fund our government and and I need to go through this process of uh, filing but it is it is by threat of penalty threat of either jail time or significant financial penalties and um, so it isn't something you can tell them well I don't feel like doing this um, eventually they'll come, they'll come after your bank account they'll come after you if you don't if you don't do it um, we didn't always have that system you know, the the it's the uh, interesting history of the IRS or the compulsory taxes income taxes at least in this country you know, um, we just passed the the anniversary I think it was like in February of 1913 that they passed the uh, 16th Amendment that allowed for a uh, income ta- a permanent income tax. Um, they had tried it several times throughout our history before that, um, but it was found most of the time to be unconstitutional. The Supreme Court continued to say, this is not constitutional. Um, and so that's why they had to amend the Constitution with the 16th Amendment to say, okay, now we can have an income tax. Uh, but it's been around for certainly my lifetime, your lifetime, anyone who's listening, mostly, uh, uh, you know, unless you're, you're getting up there, um, it's been around and it's part of our system now. So it is compulsory. You have to comply. There's a whole process to it. uh, And it usually means filing some forms on uh, April, by April 15th. Hopefully you've done preparation your financial advisor has done preparation or, or done some, made some decisions throughout the year calendar year before december 31st and then we're just kind of gathering the records to make sure the filing is done on april 15th and that can be done by yourself that can be done using any number of pieces of software out there or it can be done by uh and usually the more complicated returns uh, are done by a tax preparer paid tax repair uh, an accountant uh, someone who's actually specializes in doing that
0: yeah well, and so talking about the having a tax accountant prepare the forms or what, what kind of forms you're getting, um, a unique thing about this past year was required distributions, which if you're 70 or above, you were probably receiving an annual distribution or monthly distribution um, to equal this annual required minimum distribution amount. And in the last year, if you didn't need those kinds of funds, you may not have actually drawn them and so i've gotten calls we probably get a call at least a couple a day of our clients calling and saying hey i know we usually get this other form and where's that form so um you may be used to receiving a 1099-r type form and if you decided not to take any distributions this year you won't be receiving that form so your forms that you receive might be a little different this calendar year
1: and because of the the pandemic, the COVID crisis, uh, the uh, the Congress made a number of adjustments, and that was one of them, where you didn't, you weren't required to take uh, minimum distributions out for the year, and and some of our clients elected not to, some of them we advise them to anyway, just dependent upon the personal circumstances, but if you didn't get a 1099, that's why.
0: Yeah. And then similarly, you could be saying, well, my 1099 doesn't have an R at the end, but I usually get something that's called a 1099. And those are traditionally, that's the form that you're getting that's saying, okay, I had some kind of a taxable event. So maybe you were trading something in your investment account or your advisor was doing so for you. um, But that would be a form that you would receive showing a taxable type event. Um, I'm sure... Anyone who's listening to this probably has already seen a (laughs) W-2, but if you haven't seen a W-2, that's, um, or if you've always worked as an independent contractor, you might've always had W-9s. So a W-2 or a W-9, I don't know. There might be other W type forms, but you should have something that says, okay, here's my salary type pay or my earnings or my commissions for the year as well. And if you're working for multiple companies, you're going to have multiple forms. So if, if you were jumping around and if you're maybe a high schooler that started off working for Burger King and then said, no, McDonald's, now Wendy's, now Subway, that could be four, five, six six W-2 forms that you'll have to compile into your taxes this year.
1: Yeah, so the W-2 is basically as an employee, you're getting a report from your employer that they send you a copy and they send the IRS a copy saying okay here's what happened they made this much money and we held this much and they send that to the state as well. The W9 is like you said a, a, maybe there's no withholding but they're basically reporting that because you're like you said an independent contractor. If you're if you if you're really more of a business than an independent contractor, you know the then you're not getting those reports. Your job is to report to the IRS, okay, here's what I have in total, total revenue, here's what my expenses are. You know, there's a whole different uh, set of forms that you're you're filing to report the, the nature of your business and the income and expenses that you had that you're writing on.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: There's a whole series of uh, forms that are part of that reporting process and, and part of the filing process. And sometimes people are aware of the 1040, the classic 1040 uh, form that you file with the IRS to, to reconcile your taxes. There are other form 1040s in the past. There were 1040 easies. You got a fairly simple return. Um, but that's the 1040s basically how people go about doing that filing on April 15th.
0: Yeah. And then you can either do it by hand or you can do it virtually or you can have a tax accountant do, it, do this work. You could bring them all of your tax documents, your W 2, any kind of trading documents that you might have, and then they can compile it for you um, so by
1: hand. What do you mean? I, mean, I, I used to do mine by, hand. Uh, I would go to the library uh, and the library would keep just hard copies of those forms. Now we can just go to the IRS.gov and say, okay, which forms do I need to file? And so I'll print them out myself and then I'll fill them out myself. That's one way to do it by hand. Um, and as you said, there's lots of, uh, I mean, some of the, you know, some of the, online tax preparers. Most people have heard probably heard of TurboTax. You know, it's a company that actually has software that allows you to do your own taxes rather than paying an account to do it. And it, you know, it walks you through an interview process of saying, okay, did you have income? Did you get a W2? Did you, did you have these kinds of events that happened during, during your life, these financial events during, uh, uh, 2020. And then it comes up with, okay, you either owe and you can very conveniently, Send money to the IRS through the TurboTax software program, or get a refund to your bank that way. Um, and again, like you said, then the, and we've been talking about, can have a paid preparer to do that.
0: So maybe you're hiring someone, or maybe you're doing the forms physically by by hand, going to IRS.gov, printing them out, or maybe you're using some kind of tax software or ta- tax website. Um, another thing you might notice is. A lot of those websites will say, "Here's the free version. Here's the robo advisor version. Versus here is the, oh, we have got we've got a real live person on the background, and it's a hundred bucks or something, but we've got someone who's going to help you save more money or help you get a bigger refund." And, um, and it kind of just depends on your situation. If you've got more moving pieces, if you maybe had a lot of medical stuff this year or a lot of um, charitable donations, or if If you've got moving pieces in your tax process then it may be worthwhile for you to add something like that um but if you're just i don't know a 15 year old just got your first job and this is the only job you've had you should be able to suffice with the free version
1: yeah the the other thing i would say as you know we should remind all of our clients we don't believe there's any such thing as a free version (laughs) there's no such thing as a free lunch as milton friedman uh, decades ago and that most people who are adults in uh, economic literacy understand so if they say it's free and you know there's lots of software programs and and uh internet-based things that we all take advantage of and love um, and they say they're free like our use of google or whatever might be and we know that there's always a trade-off in the case of a tax software program they're Oftentimes they'll say it's for free, but they are also mining information from you um, and potentially from your tax return to to sell to someone else to be able to sell it, you know, to to do advertising to you. Um, And certainly with TurboTax, I remember, I'm not sure this is the case anymore, but, you know, to even print off a copy was, there was a fee associated with that. You know, you could file, you could file with all the information, but if you said, no, I want to save a copy, I want to save a PDF to my computer so I can bring it, you know, to... To a, uh, a lender in the future to prove about my income, or if I want to print one off, there was an extra extra fee. I don't know if you know that on uh, TurboTax right now, and that may that maybe has changed. But again, I want to remind all of our listeners if they don't already, they free lunch.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember when I first got started, um, it was the same thing. You had to pay to print them off. You also had to pay if you did state taxes. So. I was mostly raised in Texas. So for those of you who don't know, there's a handful of states where you don't pay income tax first for your state. Um, it's same thing, no free lunches, it's subsidized by things. So maybe it's oil or travel or the government's still getting their money from something, but it's just not directly your pocket.
1: Or maybe they operate more efficiently. I mean, uh, you know, not every, not every state has the same budget. So they maybe have a, uh, no income tax for the state, but they do, you know, they operate on a smaller budget and they're using sales tax or tax and, so, and things like that. So that's an interesting, a whole different topic we could do go on Just the various tax policies of various states. Cause some, you know, as you said, Texas and Florida don't have income taxes and there's other states like that. And then there are states that have, you know, uh, double digit taxes in addition to the federal tax rates. So that's a whole different topic. Uh, I I spoke in Europe a few years ago on the whole concept of tax harmonization, which is just a a fancy way of saying, you know, lots of governments are trying to get together and and sort of in a sense collude themselves to say, let's keep all the tax rates basically the same. You know, if if you're in America or you're in Great Britain or you're in France, let's have basically the same kind of tax rates. So there's no competition where where businesses won't go to a different country because they have a lower tax rate that's again that's a whole different topic but it's interesting and it does happen in the u.s as well you know from a state tax standpoint
0: yeah well and on a similar note i know we've talked about potentially having a workshop event down the road that might involve discussing um, the tax dollars that we use for schooling and how those can be directed so if you guys are interested in something like that maybe check out our website or check out our social platforms because we'll probably have a, um, a workshop down the road that you guys could virtually attend as well. Um, just kind of continuing on the tax process. So if you're going down your, your 1040 and saying, okay, I've, I've already put in my income. One of the first things you'll notice is, okay, there are these deductions and there are these credits. And so, um, a lot of people are like, wait, what? how do I get a deduction for something? Or where, where did this come from? And the most commonly known deductions and the most commonly known credits are things like student education, your mortgage interest, um, medical expenses, charities. But it's kind of helpful to maybe clarify, OK, what do, what do these even mean? What what's a deduction? What is a credit? And so a deduction is just lowering what your income is for the year. So, whereas a credit is actually lowering your tax bill dollar for dollar. Um,
1: Lowering your income, right? A deduction doesn't lower your, reduces your quote taxable income. You you have a gross income that what your employer pays you or what you earn. And then you start to say, okay, what can I, what can I legally do to show less so I don't get taxed as much and that's where we get to a taxable income. Um, but you're, you're right about making that distinction between a deduction, which lowers the taxable income versus a credit that actually lowers the dollar for dollar tax, which is a bigger deal. Um, and then of course, there's things that happen even before you do the 10, 1040 reconciliation or before you actually start filling out that form or your accountant fills out that form you know, there's things that you contribute to throughout the year, potentially that we might advise you to, you know, retirement plans that actually are are in a sense, the same thing as a deduction. They're reducing your taxable income, but they happen before or above the line, so to speak, they happen before you even begin that tax uh, form filing.
0: Yeah. And so part of what you're trying to say is that the deduction um, is comparing like, okay, what happens, Yeah, before the line or above the line is the common term. And then after that is when you're kind of deciding, are you taking the standard deduction, which is now this um, very large number, versus itemizing? And so a lot of people will say, "Okay, well, what do I have that I can deduct? But oftentimes, a lot of that, like your charitable, your medical, those are things that you're either getting a standard deduction or you choose to itemize. So you're basically going to take the bigger of the two deductions. And um, as far as 2020 changes, the standard deduction kind of goes up a little bit every year. It goes up with inflation. So I think it was probably 12000 on the dot like a year or two ago, and now it's 12200 In this next calendar year, I think I've got a form. Let's see. Well, for the 2020, which is what the taxes you guys are running or everyone is running right now, it is yeah, 12400 is for single. And so it's double that if you're married. So you're basically going to take the bigger of the two deductions. And you've got $24,800. And I think when I did my first tax return, it was probably maybe 3000 so it is quite a difference. And I think this is, um, since I've started in this industry, Mike's always talked about, oh, we're, the goal is to get our taxes much simpler. Like you were saying, the tax harmonization, tax simplification. And I think part of that was saying, well, maybe we'll tell people they don't need to itemize. That, we'll rather than having forms of keeping track of all of their itemizations, let's just tell them to take one standard deduction and i think there are arguments for and against that i've i've heard people on the charitable side say well people aren't going to give to charity because they aren't taxably inclined and um, i think it could be an argument on both sides for that
1: I think it can be an argument on both sides as far as that having that larger standard deduction because this is a good point i mean it's more philosophical but it the entire IRS code is designed to do two things. One is to raise money for the government's operations, which, you know, that's again, a whole different show whether we'd agree on what the government spends on and what they, you know, what they, what kinds of operations they have. Um, you know, my position is very clear there's, there's, you know, we don't need anywhere close to the government size and spending that we have. Um, but that's an argument. Then the other question is um, the other thing that the, the IRS code does is incent behavior. It says, you know, we'll give you this deduction. If you do this, do you use the example of a charity? If I give money to a charity, it's incenting that by saying you get a deduction in, in your, and uh, you get to pay less in the way of taxes by giving that charitable deduction or charitable contribution. And so if someone has a higher, Standard deduction, then they no longer have the incentive. And that's what you said. Like, you know, a person's not going to, maybe they're less inclined to make charitable contributions if they have a higher deduction anyway. And that's, this is one of the things, one of my major uh, concerns about the IRS code is that it's continually trying to manipulate, I think, people into doing things, you know, maybe owning a home or having a more large mortgage on your home or doing tax or doing uh, charitable contributions or. All kinds of different behaviors for, for businesses to write off and and try to pay a lower tax. Um, you know, I advocate for a much simpler code that would say, you know, uh, everybody pays a flat tax or something like that. But that's not what we have right now. It's much more complicated, and this is partly why you know they need people need people like us. And, and like I said, we don't give tax advice, so to speak, but they need accountants and uh, tax preparers because it's so complex. I mean, it's amazing how much goes into the process of just saying, well, I earned some money and I support the government and what am I supposed to do from here? Uh, it gets much more complicated than that. Uh, when you're talking about a, a very, very long, uh, IRS code of telling you how do you, how you have to behave.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, and it's, it's like you need a whole additional degree in accounting just to keep up with, okay, what are the changes this year? What are the changes next year? Um, how do I make sure I, I don't mess this up so that I'm not getting in trouble with the tax code and I'm not getting in trouble with the IRS? and um, um, But yeah, it's, I, it seems to be constantly changing. I think I was studying taxes, or I mean, I was studying for financial planning in college, fresh out of college. And I think I have constantly seen changes across the board from tax bills, estate, Um, So anything related to the government, you definitely want to double check any kind of numbers that you're looking at, just because, say you're listening to this and it's three years later, everything I'm saying could be different or could be slightly changed or slightly inflated for or adjusted for inflation. One thing to note on the positive side of that whole situation is in 2020, they did add a a three hundred dollar above the line charitable deduction. It doesn't make really a huge difference for um, for those higher taxpayers. Three hundred dollars isn't going to make a huge difference. It's not going to. It'll be a drop in the water. But um, for maybe younger people who are saying, "Oh, well, I, I do really want to do something good." There is some kind of good tax benefit to get out of it too. There's a little positive. So, Mike, do I need an accountant? I, I've actually never personally, I guess I've once used an, an accountant. My parents let me use theirs. And then I think they sent me the tax bill at the end of the year. <laughs> and I was like, I don't need to pay for this.
1: So my view on, uh, I can ask, answer that question two different ways. One is, should you hire professionals who have expertise that you don't have? You know we're one of those professionals, right? We were saying, in fact, here's another plug for us. P- people should come to our, uh, workshops. They should come to our website and they should call us, you know, people should call Altius financial and ask for Mike or Taylor to take advantage of our expertise. That's what we sell. That's what we, that's what we offer to the public. And we're proud of the, the work that we do and people should do that generally. I think it's a good idea to go to people who know, you know, I actually just had a, a you know service done on my car this morning. You know, I don't change my oil. Could I learn to change my oil? I, I used to change my oil. In fact, you know when I first had cars, but now they're a little more complicated. Just like you know filing your own taxes gets more complicated. So, should someone have a tax accountant? Absolutely. If they don't want to take the time to understand the tax code well enough, um, their accountant's going to likely save them time and therefore uh, headaches and money um, by doing a, job, a professional job. Is it worth it? That's always a question of, you know, what's the fee that they're charging and, and how do you value your time? But I generally do think that's a good idea. On the flip side, I would say, especially to you, Taylor and myself and people in our business, you know, we sh- we should understand it. You know, Again, we don't give tax advice, but we should understand the whole process. And it's a I for a long time, uh, even though I could afford to pay someone to do my taxes, I did my own taxes because I wanted to make sure I understood line by line by line how it works and i think you know i'm saying that for obviously for, for you know people in the f- financial business uh as a professional they should know this but i think that uh kids coming out of college should do their own taxes and try to understand it um, they shouldn't just unknowingly comply and again i'm not advocating doing something against irs code but you should understand it you should know what deductions are you know you should know how you know, how you earn money, uh, whether it's as an independent contractor, as a business person or as an employee, how that has some impact on your future. Uh, people should at an early age, understand the impact of, uh, how much taxes impact their lives. And so it's a good exercise to understand that better if you understand filing your own taxes. And so I, I make both arguments. I it's not worth, Everyone's time, especially as you get older and have a more complicated return, it's a good idea to hire, uh, hire someone who knows what they're doing. But you want to be able to hold them accountable as well and you know, be able to at least ask questions about your tax return. So I think it's a good idea for, for uh, young people to go through the exercise and, and do it and ask, you know, ask questions of, of uh, experts or, um, or the software program they're using or even uh, the government websites.
0: Makes sense to me. I'll probably this year still do my taxes myself. And I I told you before this, um, half jokingly, but definitely the true, true story for me was one of my quirky moments is if I have to pay the government, if I'm sitting down writing a check to the government, I'm double, triple checking my work because I already know each pay stub that they're taking X percentage of my money as it is. And that hurts, but it's something that I've like mentally come to terms with. When you have to pull out your checkbook at the end of the year and write them a check to say, hey, I've been paying you the whole year. Here's some more of my savings that I have worked hard for. Yeah. If you are doing your taxes, it might also be worthwhile double checking them because I've had times where I just rushed through them really quick. And then I thought, "Nah, I think that number's wrong. And maybe you find something that you hadn't thought of, or maybe there's something different in your plan.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's always the case when you've got a little bit more complicated math and, you know, even a simple tax return does involve a number of different calculations. And so it does make sense to, to do that double checking. And like you said, that can be one of the best learning lessons for someone is if they owe a bunch, you know, even though they may have already paid in via their withholding on their pay stubs, maybe for some reason or another, they haven't had enough withheld and they have to pay. And, and that's a learning lesson to, to write a check. In fact, it's interesting that brings up a sort of an anecdote I like to share sometimes, you know, I, I do think that it would be better if there were no such thing as withholding. Um, that would mean a lot more pain right in April, because if no one if no one had any withholding done by their employer, but they still owed the same amount, no one would like to write those checks at all. I mean, yeah, but that means that sometimes pain actually causes for you know causes people to change behavior or change what they want. From their government or their representatives, and they might say, "Wait, you know, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to do this. We're kind of numb right now to the withholding process. Um, and we, you know, who we have to blame for that?
0: Isn't it the same guy who did the four, who started four hundred one ks? Is that correct?
1: Uh, it, it happened. Is me. It? I, I quoted Milton Friedman, who's a wonderful, uh, he's, a long, but he's a wonderful free market economist, who who I am a uh, a huge fan of. But early in his career, uh, during the war, he actually advocated, he was a government employee, and he advocated for this idea of tax withholding by employers. And that's what put it in, into place. Uh, before that, you actually did have to write checks. You actually had to do, estimates. everyone, no one had withholding at all. They had to write checks or they had to do kind of estimates throughout the year. And he basically institutionalized the idea of having, and he regretted it later in his life. He said, that was not a good idea because what it does is make everybody numb to the process of having money withheld from their paychecks, not thinking about it, you know, and that's what happens. You, you just kind of join the workforce, you get a job and your employer says, here's how much you're making per hour or here's your salary or whatever. And then you go, well, that doesn't add up. And then you realize, well, they're withholding, they're taking money out of your paycheck to send to the IRS and that we get numb to that and we we don't really like demand the value. You know, when, when a person goes into a private store to buy a pair of shoes or, or go into a restaurant or to buy a car or hire a financial advisor, they are one-on-one then trying to say, am I getting the value? Am I getting a good car? Am I getting a good deal? Am I getting a good meal at the restaurant? Am I getting a good advice from my financial advisor? They don't really have any way of doing that because they're so numb to this money just goes out, you know, and okay, every two or four years, I get a vote for somebody and that supposedly is connected, right? What I vote for, the person I vote for, or the, you know, the ballot initiatives in Colorado, I vote for that, but how do I connect it to the value I'm getting for all this money that comes out of my paycheck? And I think it's interesting that, uh, like I said, Friedman, um, Yeah, he he regretted that much later on because that's part of what's uh, caused our government to grow so much and be unaccountable for how much money they spend, which is, again, you could get me started on that, right? Yeah.
0: Well, and it's interesting that you brought up the fact that that each month that it kind of makes you complacent with your paychecks. Um, It's interesting because I feel we kind of have the same strategy for saving sometimes. Like we'll tell people, okay, if you're putting money into your 401k and you want it to come out before you feel it. And, and then you just learn to live on that, that smaller lifestyle. And I think if you understand that, okay, this, if this can work for the taxpayers, if this can work for the, the people I'm paying my taxes on, I can do this for my saving strategy as well. So it, it, um, there can be a positive but side of it.
1: Positive, I mean, I the think there's a huge distinction. distinction thanks for, uh, because the, yeah, the, the what you're talking about is let's kind of put something on autopilot because a little bit of a decision right now to put something on autopilot that's going to make a direction in the future can have an amazing impact a compounding impact over time the one case where we're saying let's set up so you actually do a regular savings program you know out of your out of your paycheck or a regular savings program out of your bank and it'll be systematic and you won't get used to you'll maybe it'll hurt a little bit up front but long-term you're going to really be happy that what makes that virtuous is the choice involved, right? A person sitting down with their planner, sitting down with Taylor saying, okay, now we got a plan. we got a strategy for my long-term, you know, we're, we're taking into account the money I have to spend right now for my current living expenses. And we're trying to think about, okay, what will happen between now and, you know, two or three years from now, well, I need a car. And, but also thinking about the long-term security of my nest egg and so forth. But that's, that's virtuous to be able to say I'm doing this as an exercise in, in choice, I'm taking responsible, responsibility for my life and I'm hiring an expert like Taylor to give me advice and now I'm going to take her advice and okay, maybe I'll kind of get numb to it, but it'll, it'll be virtuous because I'll wake up one day and I'll have a pile of money saved for my retirement. I'll have a good plan in place. The exact opposite is to what's happening by force, right? When the government comes in and says, we're not we're going to eliminate your choice entirely. We're not asking you, like you were saying, Dave. He gets—he doesn't feel like writing the check. They're not asking him how he feels. About it. You know, you ask clients when, how do you feel about your future? How do you feel about, you know, the needs that you have right now? How do you feel about trying to balance those two those things out? No one with the IRS is asking Dave how he feels about anything. No one with the government's asking how they feel. There's a whole this whole maze of laws, you know, the, that we have to comply with. But they're saying you will do this by force, and that is uh, the exact opposite of virtue in my view and you know we i i can't i'd be remiss to not comment on just what's happening right now we're getting close to i guess in the next day or two they're going to actually have approved this 1.9 almost two million, million 2 trillion dollar additional stimulus bill uh that's you know obviously we've had some economic problems uh much of it in my my view caused by the government um but now we've got this you know, incredible debt that's just gonna be ballooning even more. It's it's you know, th- this is the exact opposite of that kind of virtue. Individuals saving for their future versus other people spending other people's money by force. Yeah. I had to get that in.
0: Well, is there anything we should add on this on the mm-hmm. stimulus bill that's coming up? Since that is kind of related to taxes, I I do think it should be noted that um and correct me if i'm wrong but i believe any kind of stimulus check money that you receive is considered ordinary income so they're basically saying oh if i gave you a 1400 dollars check i gave you 1400 dollars that's going on your w-2 and it's going to be taxed we're going to take taxes back out of that money as well
1: yeah i Um, I don't know there's a lot that could be said about the stimulus belt most of it's negative in my view i mean for everything i've i've read a ton about it and from everything I can tell, even the most generous way of accounting for how they're going to spend this money, uh, less than 10% of it is actually, you know, direct COVID pandemic-related spending, and the rest of it is ba- basically bailing out. Uh, a lot of it's bailing out uh, large states, uh, New York and California and Illinois and so forth. They're, those those states have not been very responsible for it with their own budgets, and now they're getting bailed out. And there's all kinds of you know, we're we get used to this as adults. Um, you know hearing about pork barrel spending you know, they're, they're they're making deals with each other okay if you if you allow me to have all kinds of tax money that goes to infrastructure spending in my district then i'll, I'll vote yes on it for you they're making deals themselves of supposedly helping the country but uh, most of us are used to that that idea of uh, it being a lots of corruption in terms of you know just wasting money and i think it's it's a colossal waste of money and we should be we should be really, as, as citizens, we should be embarrassed and, and very angry about it and and hold our, our elected representatives better accountable for it.
0: Do you know if any of the other countries are doing stimulus bills for their, like, is this a thing that's...
1: Yeah, it's not It's not unique to the U.S. In fact, in some ways, the U.S. is a little bit late to the game, not, not this, you know, cycle but um you know most of the rest of the world has had sort of a a uh, larger role for governments involved now, the us is leading the way now but all with regard to the pandemic and the covid situation all major governments are, are doing the same thing they're basically printing money and trying to tell their citizens that this is a good thing we'll give you some of it back and then we'll we'll spend it on pet projects that we have and that'll supposedly stimulate the economy so we all feel better it doesn't work it never has historically we might get you know a better stock market and that's good for our business uh and 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 our clients if we can make sure we keep them diversified um and and determine which are the best places to have that that sort of uh friendly money going um but it's not in the long term ever proven to do well for an economy when you have this kind of artificial stimulation
0: well and then just one last kind of continuation on that so um, I know we've kind of discussed that th- there has been a lot of artificial inflation in the market. So you think this is just going to prolong that because they're just continuing to push money into the economy? Or do you think this um, will it have a worse impact in the future? Or do you think it's just postponing the future?
1: I definitely think it's postponing the, the pain in the piper, so to speak. You know, you can never tell when, when you're doing something that's artificial like this in terms of economic stimulation, when the, when the markets will actually recognize what you're doing and not providing real value. Um, So I think it's possible that we'll see uh, better, uh, even better returns on the stock market. um, But it's, it's false in one sense, because now when you're printing money, that does, that does create. It, it creates actions on the part of people who don't necessarily understand the chain of events that might ultimately happen, but it doesn't produce any more value. I mean, just because you're printing money and that's what we're doing here, borrowing from the future, borrowing from our, kid, that does not mean you've actually created any more economic value. It doesn't mean you've created any more on a net basis, more wealth or more jobs or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's basically saying we're going to want to make you feel better. Uh, by you know, and, and if you were able to print money in your basement and didn't get caught for a while, you, know, you and Dave could go out partying. You could take more. <laughs> um, but eventually someone would realize, wait, that money had to come from somewhere. That actually had to be real wealth that was represented there. And so someone is going to be holding the bag there. Um, and, it, you know, as I've said plenty of times in every other case, in your case, in my case, in Dave's case, if we did that, we'd be arrested. But that doesn't happen with the the whole construct that we have uh, through Congress, through deficit spending. And and it's unfortunate because it's basically the same principle. Now, not every economist out there necessarily agrees with that, although virtually um, virtually all the honest ones do now. There are people out there who say we can print our way uh, out of of, uh, recessions and we can borrow our way to prosperity. But anyone who... Anyone who thinks of reality that way is just deluding themselves and whoever's listening to them. Okay. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm like I don't have a way to. I mean, I could say no, 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 you're wrong. Or, um, I I wonder if there would be a point where, where you could print to a solution, but I think then that comes down to the fact that in my mind, I feel our, our government debt's never going to be paid off because it's been there my whole life. So that's a whole nother, that's uh, probably a rabbit hole.
1: <laughs> that is a rabbit hole. And then it's something, you know, we, because of my experience, my philosophy and the way I approach managing Altius, um, that comes up in our podcasts every once in a while. And, you know, it's, it's great for you, Taylor, to push back or if you know of either clients or friends of yours who go, well, that, that doesn't make sense to me, and I have a question about that. We can talk about it more in detail in future future uh, episodes. I, th- you know, I think it's important that because we're talking about taxes right now, that that we at least bring that up. I mean, um, people have a right as free citizens to be able to demand that their tax dollars are being effectively used, um, and they have a they have a, a right uh, obligation as citizens to to say, you know, what is the proper role of government? What's the proper role of funding? Um, and so we'll remind them that, and in the meantime, hopefully uh, keep them out of trouble and, and keep their their long term security on track.
0: Yeah. So, are there any kind of closing tips that you want to make sure we're discussing today?
1: Yeah. The biggest tip is that taxes are you know preparing your taxes for April fifteenth is a historical exercise. You're basically looking at the last year and saying, okay, I got I gotta fill out the forms properly or the accountant does. Um, the biggest tip I have, uh, and you know, it's the premise of our, our business is that people should be planful. So right now they should be thinking, obviously they have to go ahead and, and comply with the tax filing for this year for last year, but they're in the middle of 2021 and there are things they can do, uh, throughout this year being planful about how their tax situation, uh, comes down next April. Because before you know it, it'll be next April, and here they will be in, you know, filing their taxes again, and, and they'll want it to be to go as well as it can. So be planful is my number one tip. Think about the tax implications of what you're doing right now, or make sure that your advisor is. Um, and the second thing is, don't let the tax tail, so to speak, wave wave the dog. The more important thing, no one is in 100 tax bracket, at least not yet. I mean, I know sometimes I get uh, animated about how much. How horrible our government is, or how much they waste our tax dollars, or how much we pay in taxes. But no one is in, you know, a situation where they pay 100% in taxes. So that that would be an insane situation, and no one would work, right? So you have control over a big piece of your income, uh, and you and you don't want to make tax decisions purely to spite the IRS or get out of paying taxes because that isn't always the best thing long term for your overall financial situation. So those are the two two major tips that I would say uh, people should be aware of. All right. So um, I absolutely could be on a roll talking about the uh, tax code and the stimulus bill and all those kinds of things. But I think it's uh, probably time we wrap up uh, this session. I want to thank everybody for listening to our podcast. Just a quick reminder, we're in week 11 of our 53-week finance challenge, and we invite you to follow like and friend us on instagram facebook and all the social media all of our platforms are saved as altius financial all one word it's all just typed as one word and you can see our logo as the profile picture on all those different social media platforms and we're reminding we're reminding you on the podcast since these will be typically released every two weeks i want to make sure that everyone's getting the information on a weekly basis this week's challenge is actually to make sure you have funded an HSA account. Not, a, not, a, not everyone can have an HSA account. They may not be eligible or they may not make sense to them, but you should look into it. We're definitely big fans of uh, an HSA account. Uh, you might want to ask us sometime why we call them like a super IRA account. They have uh, enormous advantages for people who have access to them and, and, and can fully fund them. They can be invested for for growth and actually be allocated to stock or stock based investments. They grow tax deferred. They actually get a deduction upfront and they grow tax deferred. And as long as you use them for qualified medical expenses, they come out tax free. And that's sort of why we call them that super IRA because they have those three, three benefits as far as taxes. So you should be taking advantage of our, our, or keeping up with us on the, the 53 week challenge. And that's this week's challenge. If you're interested in setting up an HSA, have any questions or comments or thoughts about the process, just give us a call. Send us an email, michael at altiusfinancial.com or taylor at altiusfinancial.com. You can definitely call us on our number 303-584-9271 or check out our website. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We're happy you're sticking with us. Have a, have a great Friday. Have a great weekend, and we'll look forward to so- talking to you soon.
0: Yep. Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend. oh, 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 oh